warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is... Hi, I'm Bex, and I'm a primary school teacher who's taught across the age ranges and also work in further education as well, so training the next generation of teachers too. And I'm Chris Hudson, I'm a retired teacher, author and teacher trainer, and I'm very excited to be here today. And today we are exploring learning outcomes in science with this week's story based on characters from the Bible. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Barabbas the Bandit. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated beautifully by Ellie Booth Bentley, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time, and even some tips for telling the story yourself. You can also get this story's lesson guide as a PDF, including additional resources for all the ideas we discuss here, plus any further ideas that we don't have time to mention. Right now, let's continue our discussion with Chris, Bex and Barabbas here and into the science side of things. Um, Bex, where is the the science in this story for you? Well, I I was this was my pondering moment when I was looking at looking through the story and thinking what science could we bring out? And then suddenly I remembered the scorpions and the sand. So I was mm. thinking that we could look at different um, mini beasts and so insects and animals that would live in that time where the story was set. So would have lived in Roman times and um, what you would have found in the Roman market, what um, insects and mini beasts were there. And then we could look at our locality and our environment and compare the different beasts that would be found so obviously we don't have many scorpions in um our local context you might have in yours but we don't have them in ours um and just getting the children to look at the at different mini beasts and um and insects and animals and compare um what you would find in um nazareth um and mm. what you would find in our in your locality children are really interested in mini beasts as well and bugs and um mm. like building bug hotels and mm. everything like that so i think they would like um and i guess it would link back to the maths we were talking about yesterday how many legs have they got how do you know it's an insect mm-hmm. like you can look at classification the animals in which you found scorpions are basically spiders aren't yes. they spiders with tails mm-hmm. and stings and i don't think um we get many opportunities to talk about arachnids as a category um because you know all, all we really do is point out that spiders are not insects yes. so being able to talk a little bit about scorpions in your mini beast discussion i think is uh, going to be quite uh, quite exciting for some children yeah mm. and actually and you know i said i didn't have many maths ideas when we did the maths session actually you could also (laughs) link it into venn diagram so this mini beast has eight legs or this has wings and this doesn't have wings so you can actually sort and classify them so i was thinking Mm. that i would start with the beasts and mini beasts and Mm. then i would look at habitats so obviously from the story we know it's very sandy so actually which Mm. animals and mini beasts um could live there and how have they adapted how are their their bodies 
make them suit and what they eat and everything make them suit that habitat so you can look at um, a bit of a food chain what they would need to eat how they survive there and then you could think about could those mini beasts and animals and insects and arachnids survive in our locality why and why not so could a scorpion mm. live in mm. my context is little paxton could a scorpion live in little paxton yes or no and how do we know so a lot of work on habitats and then you could obviously branch out and think are there any other habitats in that that the story is set in so obviously mm. we've got the sandy um sandy mm. streets you know is there a river or a lake nearby what might live there so looking a bit wider than the the direct context of the story but i was thinking mini beasts arachnids and um habitats so different <laughs> habitats would be the science links for the children really because and again that will help them with their english work that we were talking about a few days ago yeah. because they'll really be able to understand what the um, environment is like that this story is set in mm, as well. Mm, so what's actually mm. happening, you can have a bit of a look about the climate as well, um, which will link into um, geography later on as well. Just before we move on to Chris's points on this one, I once bought somebody uh, the birthday present of edible scorpions because apparently they're very protein rich. If you are in a place like um, the, the UK or the USA and you want to um, let your children get right up close and personal with some scorpions, Scorpions, then dried scorpions, dried edible scorpions are a product on the market that you should be able to get hold of. I did try it. I did do that with um, some children to do with um, like a kind of I'm a celebrity, get me out of here type challenge. <laughs> um, so where they had to, um, I think it was actually with um, young people. So they were just off the other end of our um, the children we're talking about and they had to eat mm. them. Um, and so did some of our leaders. Mm. Um, so you could do a would you eat a scorpion? Why, why not? Chris, would you eat a scorpion? (laughs) Why, why not? Uh, No. (laughs) Why ever not? Can't think why. Uh, Science. Now, this lurches to Ari a little bit, but um, recalling the parts of a flower. Now, certainly that's the thing we have to do Mm. for the life cycle of plants, Mm -hmm. what the different bits do at different stages in a life cycle. And why are we looking at parts of the flower? Because uh, there's one particular flower which is used, is bred, is, you'll find in lots and lots of gardens. I actually used to have one in my garden, and that's a passion flower. Mm-hmm. And why are they called that? Because some time ago, a Catholic priest working in, in Latin America noted that the flowers that were native in the parish he was working all had a very precise number. Uh, the different parts are different numbers. There were, you know, the leaves, the tendrils, the the number of petals, the sepals, the radial filaments. He said we can use this to retell the Easter story, and oh. it works like this. Um, and he interpreted it like this: like the leaves, which are very sharp, right? That's the spear that stabbed Jesus. The tendrils, which are around, you get they're like the whips. Ten petals and sepals. These are the ten disciples who did not betray Jesus. Though Simon and Peter and Judas Iscariot did discuss. Mm. There are radial filaments like a crown of thorns. There's the ovary, which looks like the cup. There are three stigma, which, according to this priest, well, those are the three nails holding Jesus. There are five male anthers and stamen. There's the five main wounds, four from the nails, one from the spear. Then there's the colours, the purple robe, red for the blood he shed. And mm. how passion flowers have been given this name because they tell the story of the passion. Mm. Of course, you get different versions of this uh, symbolism being employed by different Christians around the world. But you could actually share the story, the, you know, the basics of the Easter story, show the parts of the flower and say, right, kids, 
Yeah. Can you do better? <laughs> um, it's also actually you'll find it also in um, in Hinduism. The passion flower means something slightly different. So mm. you get different world faiths actually interpreting the symbolism slightly differently, and you get different you know Christian denominations doing the same kind of thing. But the symbolism of the parts of the flower, it, you know, it's it's a fascinating area. And actually, making your own—that's a nice little art activity. Mm. Actually, making flowers. Um, making the different bits and sticking them all together. That's quite a fun thing to do. And maybe even finding a story that they um, they can tell. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Not necessarily the Easter story, but you can you could take, I don't know, a, a sunflower and yeah. use it to tell mm -hmm. um, the story of uh, uh, the sun and the wind or, or something like absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. I guess you could link it to the one um, in Beauty and the Beast as well, because there's oh, a, yes. a rise in that as well. Oh, yeah. Yes. So like, they're actually thinking about flowers and other stories, because that is a massive, like parts of flowers could be quite a, not as interesting part Indeed. of the uh, year three, particularly the year mm. three science curriculum that you mm. could, you've just made really interesting i did, mm. i was thinking even the three stamens could they be the three crosses as well like Whoa, that's yeah. my little <laughs> um, extra bit yeah. extra bit of yeah. wondering but that's oh. really, I, I like that idea okay throw in if you want to get kids really interested in parts of the flower the artwork of georgia o'keefe yes she's obsessed yeah. And it's real big stuff up close. Hmm. I think the the great thing about what you're doing there is, um, as well as showing a little bit of science, you're also helping your children to get some great allegorical thinking experience, yes. aren't you? Which is so yes. important mm -hmm. for, well, for life in general, being able to realise that not everything is... Uh, exactly as said or exactly as written that mm. there's symbolism there there's metaphor brilliant life skills okay. and i think that will really benefit some of your mm. children with sen mm. um, as well mm. and to get that sort of experience and you're more able as well <laughs> mm. they'll go in all sorts of directions with this um here's another one what makes us alive oh. now i remember one way of describing it all living things you now you compare you, me with a brick for example <laughs> movement move around respiration i can breathe sensitivity i can know you know i can sense things nutrition excretion i can get rid of stuff that my body doesn't want reproduction mm. growth now um so the m r s n e r g sometimes that's been turned into the acronym of mrs nerg and an interesting thing you do with children is right say there's a rabbit there's a brick there's a tree how mm. are two similar and one different and actually, that's a very nice little competition you can set up in class, get them in small groups. How many different ways can we say two of those things, the rabbit, the brick, the tree are similar mm. and very useful discussion exercise. But then when we go on to the Easter story, the story of the crucifixion. Now, note it's brutal. Mm. It's one of the most cruel possible ways to kill someone. And the Romans were using it to show they were in control. Crucifying was a thing they did. And they're saying, if this is what life is all about, we are ending it. It's a very, if you like, materialistic way of looking at things. Mm. They stopped Jesus moving. He could hardly breathe. Sensitivity, extreme pain, no food, excretion, uh, reproduction. You're not going to have any kids now. You can't grow. This is the end of your life. But let's look at the, that list of things that we need to be alive. Is that all there is to being human? Now, you can get mm. this discussion going with children. What else can people do to show we're alive, apart from doing just the sorts of things that can be done by animals and plants? It sounds like you're verging on philosophy there. This is. This is philosophy. And it is. In, in that case, shall we, shall we move this on to uh, philosophy discussion for we tomorrow? Can. We can. We can. 
That's all we have time for today, folks. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, do let us know on social media using at teachhappily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, Barabbas will help us plan lessons in RE and philosophy. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! cheerio. And we, we hope, hope to hear, hear your story, story soon. soon.